Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. We're glad you're here. I'm joined in the studio with Ben Hendricks. We're together a lot in this, my partner in crime. And we've got with us today a great friend of mine in ministry, Stephen Whitmer. He's a pastor in New England at a small town. He's an author, uh, a co-founder of a group called Small Town Summits. And he's here in Kinston. And we're going to talk today about New England, jolly old England, pastoring and God's work in small towns throughout the country, throughout the world. Stephen, thanks for being with us. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So the book that really has gained the most traction that you've written is called A Big Gospel in Small Places. And, um, and it's about really smaller town ministry. Why did you write this? Where does this come from? Yeah, so the, the book, uh, I, I have been in my church for almost 13 years now, mm-hmm. um, as of June. Um, That's great. And I, I think sometime maybe in year 9 or 10, I began to think more, I just became, began to be more self-aware about the kind of ministry I was doing. I think a lot of small-town pastors are doing ministry, and they're not really thinking, I'm doing small-town ministry. Right. They're, they're just kind of doing ministry. Yeah. Um, which I, I think there's, you know, there's some benefit to that, but also there, there's an advantage to being, uh, I think of it as kind of vocationally self-aware, mm. you know, like a vocational awareness that I'm doing a certain kind of thing. Like ministry anywhere is ministry, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, I just, I started to think, I, I think maybe like year 9, 10, 11, um, just, just to become aware that there were particular uh, challenges, particular advantages to mm. doing ministry in a smaller place. And I had been, I, I would say, you know, for, for as long as I've been in pastoral ministry uh, from early on, I, there were things about just being more on the outskirts, more on the periphery that I found sometimes uh, helpful and exciting, but often maybe a little lonely Mm-hmm. Um, just, just kind of questioning at times, like, you know, is what I'm doing, does this, does this count as much? Right. Um, uh, right. We, when we came through seminary 20 years ago, I would say even at that time, uh, and in our seminary, there was a privileging of urban ministry. Our, yeah. our heroes were urban pastors. Mm-hmm. And so landing up, for me, unexpected, uh, unexpectedly in a small town, I just began... Uh, even from the early days to wonder, okay, is this uh, is this less than right? Um, a consolation so was, prize, exactly, or, or Team B or J- mm-hmm. JV? You know, um, mm-hmm. so it was it was You've really heard them that, all. I see. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of that hmm. struggle, and then increasingly becoming aware that you know this is this is a distinct social context. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I wrote the book. That's great. Um, I love the book. I, I read it. Uh, first time I read it was two years ago, I think, when it, soon after it came out. But before it won all the awards, I mean, Christianity Today, Kevin DeYoung's, you know, top 10 books for that year or whatever, uh, Gospel Coalition Places. I mean, it's really a well-written study and very pastoral, very encouraging. Mm. Uh, d- did your wife teach you how to write like that? <laughs> <laughs> Emma's trained as an English teacher. It didn't win a CT award. It did win a TGC award. Okay, all right. Um, sorry. Yeah, you know, it was actually, I have, I've written a number of things over the years, and this was 
probably the one I felt the most helped by God mm. to write. And so I think part of it was because I was writing, there was this kind of coming together of my, what I was doing full time, then reflecting on that. And then also my New Testament background and training, mm-hmm. that, that was utilized. It, it was probably the, it's probably the writing that felt like it brought together the most sides of who I am and my yeah. gifting and my background. And our church sent us away on a sabbatical um, at I think it was the ten year mark of being there, and so almost we, biblical. They're three years late. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we we had two months uh, away, and we spent part of that time just having fun as a family. But I I had um, I had three three weeks where I was working during the days to write, and three weeks where I did nothing but write. I got away. We were in Northern Ireland with my my wife's uh, family, and three different relatives or family members gave us their little cottages on mm. the on the Irish Sea. Wow. And so I and some some of those places I didn't have a working phone, I didn't have a car, I, I couldn't wow. go anywhere. I just I just write. Wow. And I was so intimidated mm. early on because uh, it felt like this enormous pressure. I sat down the yeah. first day where that I had and I knew that there's this limited time that I have to and I've been thinking about it and, and writing articles and stuff, but now I, my laptop's open in front of me, and I want to write something. I want to make this time count. And I was, I was quite and intimidated by it. And the clock is ticking. I'm an hour in. I'm two hours in. <laughs> like, this is a finite period of time. And I, I really, just, I, usually for me, writing is, is hard work. I do mm-hmm. it not because I love it, but because I want to have written. Right, um, right. And there was a joy in, in mm-hmm. this writing, and there mm-hmm. were just breakthrough moments, and it was, it was still hard work, but I felt very helped by God to do it. I think I also just I found that just as I was reading through the book, I was really encouraged by mainly two things. Hmm. One, just the, the humility that you had throughout the book. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just the way that you would write, but also the encouragement. Just, you know, I, I walked away from that book being encouraged to be doing ministry in a small town. Like, this isn't second rate. This isn't some mistake. I didn't make, I, I didn't just like fail in varsity and have to go to JV. Mm-hmm. No, this is specifically where God's called me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are certain things that we can be doing and certain strategies to take and like uh, certain outworkings of the ministry in which God's called us to. So thank you for that. I wasn't sure if I should thank you or the second <laughs> writer. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, I, I, one of the things I wanted to really try hard to do was uh, emphasize the, um, the significance and importance of small place ministry without denigrating a large right. place ministry yeah. Yeah. And, and pitting them over against each other because I, I feel like it's actually gone the other way. Sometimes yeah. in, in, in the, you know, the passion people have to call people to the city, right, right. which is a great passion. I, wanna, I want more Christians to move to the city. But I, I think in making that strong case, sometimes small towns, rural areas have been put down mm-hmm. as though, and, and can, almost like you, you, to strengthen your case for urban ministry, mm-hmm. you need to say, well, it's, folks in the hinterlands are doing okay. Right, right, um, and I, it's not gonna it's not gonna help at all if we elevate the the significance of small town ministry by putting down the importance yeah. of urgency of urban ministry. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad if that if that came yeah. through. I, I think that's so important in having this conversation. Yeah. We're all on the same team. The gospel right. needs to go to every single person. You know, we we want people everywhere um, to to um, to hear and treasure the gospel. So it's re- like our, our, our job is not to persuade people to go to a certain place. 
I, I feel like my right. job is, is, is just in my little way is to open people to be able to be called by God mm. to go to a place. But for a lot of folks, that a lot of seminary grads, at least in the years when I was coming through seminary, that that wasn't even really a viable contender to right. go to a town like my town, Pepperell, if you wanted your life to count. Right. If you yeah. wanted to be an influencer, mm-hmm. uh, that that you wouldn't you wouldn't consider it. So you wouldn't even hear God calling. And what what a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, if God is calling you and you're not even you're not even in a place where you can hear that. So I, I just want to shake people loose enough mm-hmm. to, to to be open to going wherever God to surprising you. And it's interesting because in seminary, uh, and you went to Southern, so it's a mm-hmm. it's a, an attractor seminary from all around and Gordon Conwell, North Shore of Boston, and so also a lot of people from around the country. Um in seminary yeah, there's there's that model of well, if you want your life to count, gotta go. So, in Eastern North Carolina, where we're podcasting from, there is also a little bit of well, who, you know, who would go to the city? Like some people are like, well, I'm so glad I'm in, I'm here and, and I'm in a small town. And you don't want to denigrate those who are called yeah. uh, ministry vocation or any vocation to be part of God's work also in the bigger cities of, yes. of Greensboro, Raleigh, Charlotte, and things like that. Yeah, I think that's right. We have, we have seen so clearly in the last four years, especially politically, mm-hmm. the divides between country and, and city, mm-hmm. yeah. um, culturally, yeah. politically, yeah. Um, and, and, and it absolutely runs both ways. The, the city can look down on the country, the country can be angry at the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Wuthno, uh, the Princeton sociologist, wrote a book a couple of years ago. It was after the 2016 election trying to understand and, and help others understand Trump voters, rural right. Trump voters, right. white, mm-hmm. largely white, rural Trump voters. And it was called The Left Behind. And, and mm-hmm. he was he's trying to help folks understand who these people are yeah. <laughs> who yep. voted for Trump. Yep. And... Um, you know, one of the things he points out is this antipathy that runs from the country to the city. So it's not a one-way. It's no, not it's a one-way not. street. And and to me, that's just a reminder that people everywhere need the gospel. Uh, we 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 sort of build ourselves up by pushing other people down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's that's the gospel. Well, let's let's press pause on that for a little bit and let's talk family, because I think you're also married. Yeah, I am married 15 years yesterday. 15 years. And Emma, how did you meet your sweet wife, Emma? Wife Emma? You, you mentioned about being in Northern Ireland on sabbatical mm-hmm. and her family's there. Okay, tell us that story because you're not from Northern Ireland. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you and I knew each other at Gordon-Conwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there 2000 to 2003. Were, were those the same years you were I there? came in 99 to 03. Okay. I took a little longer than you. I'm not as smart. <laughs> <laughs> I had already done two years that I transferred in. So yeah, there's no, no, no smarts about it. So I finished in 2003, and then I moved to England um, to the University of Cambridge for four years mm-hmm. um, to do a PhD in New Testament studies and to teach for a year. And while I was there, actually the first, I think it was the first Sunday I was there, I was looking for a church. I heard about a couple good churches. Um, I heard about Eden Baptist that a lot of people have gone to, mm-hmm. and I heard about St. Andrew the Great in, in Cambridge, which is a, an Anglican church. Uh, it's about as it's about as close to a Baptist church as you could ever get at an Anglican <laughs> church. It's <laughs> pretty low church uh, Anglican, but very with the evangelical. Name, Andrew the Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I went. I, I went the first Sunday, and I never I never went anywhere else. Uh, it was, mm. uh, I, I 
really enjoyed it. I benefited from it. It was my church home for those four years. And, and I met my wife, Emma, there. She had come to Cambridge several years before to do a teaching degree. Then she taught high school English outside of Cambridge. She was volunteering with the college ministry of the church, and then they asked her to come on staff. So when I started volunteering with the college guys, she was already on staff working with the college women. Nice. And uh, and she's from yeah. Belfast, Northern Ireland, so that's how we met. Isn't that how you met your sweet wife, somehow volunteering together? At yeah, church? we worked at a kids' camp that uh, wasn't anywhere near an Ivy League school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, more or less just getting to do that. And then, hey, there's something there, getting to serve right next to your wife. Well, that was the point your I was going to yeah. yeah, you you know, where you're hanging out is where you meet people. And, yeah. you know, when yeah. you're hanging out with the Lord's people, that's... It's a great place for college kids to yeah, be. And for like Janessa, I mean, she's much more godly, at the, much more godly. And just getting to see me serve was like, wow. Yeah. He almost said much more godly at the time. <laughs> I, I, like, I, Wait a minute. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> so how has Emma adjusted to being a New Englander? Yeah. Yeah. So she's, we, we've lived, we've been at the church for 13 years. We lived at Gordon Conwell for a year. So she's mm-hmm. been, she's, uh, she's been in the U.S. for 14 years. And I would say the, the first probably four, five, or six years were were more difficult. Um, it, it was a good adjustment culturally to move from Cambridge to Gordon Conwell because you know Gordon Conwell has a, a pretty large uh, international, international community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and it, it's uh, so that was really helpful. But then we moved to a small town of Pepperell, and there are actually a few Brits in Pepperell and some in our congregation. So that was helpful. Nice. But um, I would not say that Pepperell is a, a cosmopolitan place. <laughs> so, how many so, people live? Like, what is the population of Pepperell? About twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and we're an hour northwest of Boston, okay. about twenty minutes from Nashua, New Hampshire. So, uh, I would not say we're out in the middle of nowhere, but but we're also it is you know genuinely a small town. Um, so so that that was a, that was a challenge um, mm-hmm. for M just culturally. Um, finding her feet in, in a new country and be feeling far from home. Like we, we, mm. we decided early on when we knew we were going to be married that we would just prioritize traveling home frequently to her yeah. family. So we try to do once a year and we just budget for that and don't do other things so that we can do that. That's mm-hmm. really important for her and for our kids with their grandparents and cousins sure. and right. aunts and uncles. So um, that's been a, a big value for us. And I would say the key for Emma in, in making that transition has been really it dovetails with what we're talking about, small town ministry kind of stuff, because it's been increasingly becoming part of the church and the community, the broader mm-hmm. community, yeah. having our kids in school. And so Emma's, Emma's meeting all sorts of other parents, right. and she's deeply invested in the life of the town. Mm-hmm. And we are established. We feel like home. So when you know, early on when we would go back to Northern Ireland and come back, it felt like leaving home. Yeah. Increasingly, it feels like coming home. Mm-hmm. And there's still there. There'll always yep. be that. You know, it's like uh, it's living between two worlds. It's it's inaugurated eschatology. It's the already <laughs> it's not yet. It's 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 uh you know, ha- ha- not not being fully home anywhere in this world. But so she has definitely felt that. What would you say? I mean, I just think in this one. What yeah. would you say? would like as we think of welcoming people into our community from internationally or just from other parts or like new england is a little international if you're in eastern yeah. north carolina yeah. what what are some things that help build bridges the best in your experience yeah yeah it's you know i i've had i had this experience when i was living overseas that 
it, it's so meaningful to find other people who are also from where you are. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so when I was living in England, uh, I would gather with the other um, Americans yeah, to celebrate Thanksgiving or watch the Super Bowl at crazy odd hours trying yeah. to get in a reception, you know. And, and it just it was, it was twice as meaningful, 10 times as meaningful. So um, find, connecting folks from other countries with their compatriots from those other countries, if that's yeah. possible, sometimes that's not possible. I think another significant one is, is not assuming Americanness, uh, say, mm. in the not being overly patriotic in our yeah, worship right. services. Sure. I think, you know, that's, that's uh, the, the kind of, um, sometimes, sometimes American Christianity is so patriotic that we privilege America, hmm. even yeah. in our worship services. And, and to us, as Americans, maybe that's, that's just part it's of the, the furniture. It's yeah. just normal. Yeah, but if there's someone from another country and you are putting a flag up on the, you know, on the, uh, on the overhead, you know, on the screen or whatever mm-hmm. for, for certain days... Um, it, it can be, it can, it can feel a little bit off-putting, like, sure. you know, yeah. um, and, and, and so just you're making an extra effort to, to welcome people and include people goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Our poor church here, because, you know, I'm Canadian by birth <laughs> and American by choice. And so I got, you know, a little bit of schizophrenia sometimes, yeah. <laughs> especially in the, in the hockey playoffs. But anyway, <laughs> well, as you think of the South, like you, you're a New Englander. You grew up in Maine. I did. Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Super small town, right? Mm-hmm. 700 people. 700 oh. people. Something yeah. about the post office. What's well, my mom worked at the post oh, office for years. Yep. And she knew, I mean, so I would knew say she knew town. 95% of the, the entire town. Wow. So yeah. she's Better than the pastor, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm, if she had more exposure to, to everyone came to the post office. Yeah, especially uh, anyway. Um, so, but so from Maine, small town, to different places, Minneapolis, a little bit, UK, a real connection to Northern Ireland. Um, you've had enough opportunity to see different people in different places. What you know, as you as you come down to the south, which you've done several times and taught in different small town areas. What do you see when you come here? Like, what's, what's an yeah. outsider's perspective on what's going on in the <laughs> South? Yeah. I mean, I have the, the times I've been in the South and connected with believers, I've been very encouraged. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have seen, I've seen, I've, I've, so, some of this is just my limited exposure, but I've been, I've seen healthy churches mm-hmm. and I've seen community engaged churches. So people, uh, churches who really care about the gospel and who are but who are not siloing away from the broader culture, right. but also engaging with with community. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think there's there are some. I, I it, it's easy I think regionally to stereotype sure, sometimes yeah. in unhelpful ways. But I would say, at least from my my exposure to various places, that New England is more post Christian. Hmm. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. Right. Um, the, the, and it, it even depends on where you go in New England. Um, but uh, so much of New England is kind of a, a cultural background with, with Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. um, but then kind of real allergy to that in, in many places. And, and so um, kind of a moving beyond Christianity. Right. Right. And, much, much more than would be the case, I think, here. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, th- there's going to be 
some significant um, drawbacks to doing ministry in New England as opposed to the South because of that, but also some advantages because um, in, in terms of just people assuming that they are Christians and coming because it's maybe socially advantageous, um, it's, the, the low, it's just the, the path of least resistance because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a major challenge, I would think, for pastoral ministry here. Yeah to try to help people sure. realize that they're not actually Christians. Um, there's a guy who came to, to mm-hmm. Christ in our church a number of years ago, and he said, I remember he said one time, um, I, was, uh, I thought I was a Christian until I became one. And, oh, and well I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who assume that they are Christians, and they're not actually believers. And so part of, I, I would think part of pastoral ministry here is helping those folks. It's very exciting in New England and a lot of places in Montreal, Quebec, and a lot yeah. of places to be in the book of Acts because <laughs> yeah. it's pioneering ministry. People don't have an experience with Jesus at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, church is so far out yeah. of their regular sphere of life. So it yeah. gets very exciting that way. Yeah, that's right. I've been reading the Bible with, uh, with a guy for the last couple of years who, when we started, I mean, he just did, he didn't have any background. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know how to find a chapter, chapter and verse in a Bible. Right. right. Didn't know what the mm-hmm. books of the Bible were. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, I would say that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. on, on the one hand, the joy is it's, I don't want to say the joy, but it's happening here too. Like we get to introduce people to Jesus for the first time more than yeah. you would think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cause I, I agree with you. Like, just as I do student ministry, but also with even some of our men, like it just seems like, and I hesitate to use some of the word, but like there, there is a, like a, a level of trauma and, and baggage that has come with growing up into a culture that where everyone must be a Christian because mm-hmm. that's the culture here. And so there is some level of like, sometimes you miss the excitement per se of getting to share the gospel with someone who, who's never heard it before. I mean, I, I grew up, spent all my life in, in the South and almost the buckle of the Bible Belt, Nashville, right? <laughs> and I remember the first time I met someone and it was in Chicago who had never heard the gospel. I'm like, oh, I kind of, and I didn't even grow up Christian really. And so it's just an interesting thing, like a two very different worlds mm-hmm. and trying to make your way through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my question for you, because this is one that when I learned this, it, it, just, it meant a lot to me because the Lord's kind of given me a, a heart to just to be where I am, like and if, if wherever he calls you to, to be there for as long as you can until he calls you somewhere else. And correct me if I'm wrong, you've been at your church for, what, 12 years now? Yeah, almost 13. That's incredible. Mm. Wow. So as I'm trying to answer this question here, just in four, how in the world do you still find joy in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the later years of ministry? And like, what are your favorite things? What are the things that just keep popping up that give life to you yeah. uh, just as you're doing ministry? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that question. It, it is, it, it's a great thing to be at a church for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it not necess- it, it's not necessarily a great thing. <laughs> it could be a very good, a bad, very bad thing. It's not yeah. automatically yeah. a great That's thing. That's exactly right. I mean, there, there, could be, there could be folks who stay because it's just the easiest thing to do, because there's job security, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, right. whoever complacency. in the church, complacency, they can't kick you out. It's, you know... So there's lots of reasons why it's not a good thing, but but if it's a healthy church and you're a relatively healthy pastor, it is a good thing mm-hmm. to stay. Um, I I think there are there have been a number of things that have brought me joy and kept it fresh. Uh, one thing is that there's turnover in churches, 
So it's, I'm not pastoring the same church I was 13 years ago. Um, and there's, again, there's disadvantages and advantages to that. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the great advantages is that if you, if you set a, if, if, if you lead in a certain way, if you lead theologically, if you, uh, create healthy structures, anytime you lead as a pastor, there are going to be some people who respond well to that and some people who really don't like it. And if you are, if you listen to them and you're consistent, even, even if you do all those things well, there are going to be some people who, who just are say, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is if you're leading in good directions, people will leave who, who aren't on board with that, but people will come hmm. who are attracted to it. And I found that as we formed culture in our church, it's like, a lot of the, the, the turning points where we lost people were that, that was defining us. Um, mm -hmm. So we adopted a robust form of church membership at our church. We hadn't had one before. Yeah. And we talked through issues of manhood, womanhood, and, uh, and, and, and other theological issues. And, and people, some people left in each of those cases, and some people came. Mm -hmm. Because they said, I want a church yeah. that talks about those things and, and, and work go, is moving in that direction. Yeah. And so the, I found that, that, that's a challenge. You, you, never, you never like to see people leave, and those are painful conversations. Mm -hmm. But I have found joy in, in actually forming the culture of our church over time. You, you can do that, yeah. obviously, in, in 13 years in a way that you can't do in three years. Or, or even, you know, mm -hmm. eight or nine or ten years. Um, so that's been good. Also, I feel like if you are raising up other leaders, and I think Jason is a great example of, of this, if, if you're reading, raising up other leaders, then you will be able to give some things to them that you were doing early on mm -hmm. and then tackle new challenges, mm -hmm. and both within the church mm -hmm. and beyond the church, from the church to the broader church. And so that's been invigorating and life-giving to me to see leaders being raised up in our church and then to, to be able to minister from Pepperell Christian Fellowship to like through writing the book or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, there's, there's, I feel like there's just so, I, I, I am not bored at all in my <laughs> ministry. Uh, and there's, there's other, there's more stuff to explore and more stuff to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. I, and I, I don't have any intention of, of moving away from my church. I could, see, I could imagine, I always want to hold it loosely, that if God called us mm -hmm. to somewhere else, we would be willing and obedient to go, but we're definitely not looking to move. Yeah, I think one of the joys, I mean, I, I got this from your book, and just talking with you earlier, like, one of the joys of being in a church for so long, and I only know, I mean, coming up on four years, but is this joy that you get from living that integrated life with people like over and over again, just getting to be in their lives and invite them into yours. Like they, like they know what your house looks like and yeah. you know yeah. how they spend their summers or however. And it's just like, it helps, I think just build a foundation of ministry that, that is able to withstand those moments when people do leave and you have those people who come to you and like, man, like you can get through this or we're with, mm -hmm. we're with you in this. So yeah, I, that was just, th thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, and I mean, even like, 
in a small town and when your family's far away, you end up having Christmas or Thanksgiving with a fun new family. Yep. You know, and yeah. it's like we've yeah. had several just because yeah. all our families in other places and we can't always get there. Yeah. Um, and it's just all part of God's gift to us. Well, yeah. let me ask you one last question because we'll wrap up. Um, but zoom out from Pepperell, zoom out from the ministry God's given you, look nationally. I mean, what do you think God is up to right now in these COVID, sort of ending up COVID days or maybe going longer, uh, politically uncertain days? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you sense God is doing? Yeah, I was, I was actually just looking this, this last week at uh, a, a recent Gallup poll that came out uh, at the end of March um, that, that is uh, showing that, that church membership, church participation I guess even more broadly, that houses of worship, so mm-hmm. synagogues, churches, mosques, is the lowest it's ever been. It's a precipitous drop. It's down to 47% of U.S. Mm-hmm. adults wow. from about 70% 20 years ago, so wow. the, the turn of the century, turn of the millennium. So wow. that's, that's, a, that's, just, that's a, a dramatic drop. And I was, I was listening to Russell Moore and Tim Keller thinking about that, Gallup poll, and, and Tim Keller said, well, he's, so you ask me what I think, I'm just going to tell you what Tim Keller thinks. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, I like uh, that. He, he basically said he thinks that a lot of nominal Christians, this kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. are going to, uh, they're, they're going to leave. Um, yeah. The church is going to shrink. It's going to get down, he thought, not just to 47%, but to maybe 20% or 20 mm-hmm. or 30% of uh, American adults. Um, because it will become increasingly, as the culture secularizes, it will become increasingly less so- socially advantageous mm-hmm. to be part of the church. And, and, and yet, at the same time, he thought the church will become increasingly multi-ethnic yes. um, because that's where a lot of the, the life of the church yep. is yep. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in some ways, you could, you could look to New York City. Mm-hmm. That's all happening right now. Right. It's secular, it's, it is secularized, and it's... The church is multi-ethnic, and the church is, is eventually, he thought, going to grow again because it will get down to a core of really committed mm-hmm. Christ followers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I find that pretty persuasive that um, mm-hmm. in, in many ways the, the kind of easy period for, for Christians where it's, it's the, you're going with the current to be part of your church mm-hmm. is increasingly not going to be the case. Which is uh, not necessarily a bad thing for the church. We, you know, the church has experienced this kind of thing before. Right, yeah. right. The seventy percent attendance of twenty years ago, and maybe that generation or so before that, is not that way since time immemorial. There yeah. have been ebbs and flows all through. I mean, Mark Knoll yeah. and Rodney Stark talk about even at the time of the revolution church attendance was very low, far lower mm-hmm. than the 20th century. Mm-hmm. But we all look back at that and think, oh, everybody was a Christian back then. Yeah, great mm-hmm. point. And not yeah. at all, yeah. not at all. But yeah. the gospel keeps moving forward. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you for sharing with mm-hmm. us a little bit and encouraging us as we kind of mm-hmm. seek to do life together here and watch for God's grace mm-hmm. and encounter God's grace in our days. Thank you for joining us. We'd encourage you to like this and subscribe and leave a comment and share. Go visit uh, Pepperell Christian Fellowship uh, website and learn a little bit more about what Stephen is up to and the Lord's up to there. And uh, we'll join you back here next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.